It's time for episode 381 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, January 13th, 2021. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where we give you one hour of content in half the time. My name is Dan Morin, and I am joined across the internet by my co-host, my good pal, my dungeon buddy, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? I am doing well, Dan. It's a, a new day, a new dawn, and I'm feeling good. I know I've said that probably once before, thrice before, but uh, once again, it is true. It is true. This this time for sure. <laughs> Indeed. This is, of course, the show where we have on two fantastic guests to talk tech with us. To my left this week, it is the CEO and chief lackey over at Rogue Amoeba, Paul Cafasis. Welcome back, Paul. Thank you, Dan. Good to be here. And to my left, it is the senior cloud advocate at Microsoft, everyone's favorite pop culture uh, maven. Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. It's Christina Warren. Welcome back to the show, Christina. Hello, happy to be here. All right, let's kick things off. Not for the first time, a leak has attested to the existence of Apple's tracking tag product, the so-called AirTags or Apple Tags. This is the, I don't know, fourth, fifth time that we've seen evidence of this product coming without it actually being announced. What's going on here? Is this product actually happening? Is it something people want or even need right now? What's your sort of theory with this whole thing, Paul? I think it's all a hoax. I think the whole thing is fake. I, no, I, as you noted, this is something that's been leaked uh, from Apple. It, I think we first saw this in iOS 13. You know, people poked at the I, at the uh, OS and discovered various resources that indicated uh, AirTags. And uh, I, I guess my thinking is that it probably wasn't quite ready. And then there was this whole pandemic thing where we all just stayed home and no one can really lose anything. And it doesn't really make sense to release such a product. So uh, I, I'm fascinated by these leaks, though, or by the fact that this is built into iOS 13 and now 14. And uh, and it's so far along in the software pipeline and yet not in actual people's hands. Yeah, I think Paul uh, hit the nail on the head there perfectly. Um, you know, Renee Ritchie on MacBreak Weekly talks uh, has talked about this several times, and I think that that is exactly what it is. It's the fact that um, it's just not the appropriate time for this product to be announced because with folks staying at home um, and you know maybe not even using their keys as much to go places, you can't lose your keys if you don't need them. Galaxy brain. Um, and so with with the improper market, so to speak, for something like this, I think it makes sense that uh, it's not necessarily a rush for these air tags to to come out. But I think they will definitely come out and, and we'll see uh, when they do. What do you think, Christina? I mean, I sure hope they come out, right? Like, I, I don't want this to be uh, another scenario where uh, uh, my, I'm now having galaxy brain moment what was the charger air power air power yeah i don't want this to be an air power situation where we're all like anticipating this and then it doesn't happen uh i also think that i I wanted to come out because i want us to actually be able to use nfc in some sort of meaningful way on our iphones but yeah i mean i agree with with you and paul i mean like what's the and renee i guess uh what's the point of 
having these things if we're not going anywhere. Uh, but it is interesting to me, uh, I think, like, the rationale for why this hasn't happened. Because I can understand maybe why it wasn't announced this year. But what was the reason if it was in Ohio West 13 that we didn't see it then? Um, it's, I don't know. It's utterly fascinating to me. Yeah, I, Paul, I think you have a great point with the fact that the, the the pipeline for the software seems to be so much ahead of the hardware here. And again, it's fascinating because it also gives a strange indication as to like how bad they are at hiding these things. Like it's hard, right? Like if it's built into the software, you don't want to take it out because then that's a whole pain when you got to add it back in eventually. But it's also hard to hide stuff because people poke around so much in all the OSs now and they find all these weird little edge cases where it's like, ah, there's something that's supposed to go here eventually. And it, it makes it that much trickier for Apple to uh, surprise people with new products, I think, because uh, there's just so many indications of it in the various places in the software. Uh, I tend to agree that it, it's just a product that probably wasn't ready when iOS 13 came out. And then they decided, well, with the pandemic, we can take all the time we need to get this product to work perfectly, uh, which also makes me wonder if it will, in fact, work perfectly when it comes out. And if it doesn't, you can imagine they'll probably get dinged a bit for that, where it's like, look, you had years to work on this <laughs> and it doesn't work. Come on. Uh, but I will be intrigued to see it. I think it's a I'm wondering if it's coming sooner rather than later, given the other sort of leaks that we've seen around people designing accessories and stuff for it. But I guess we won't know until it's here. Thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our second topic today, which comes from Paul. So my topic is uh, a little less serious than yours, Dan. Yours was was so so important uh, politically and whatnot. But uh, there have been some events recently. And uh, as a result of those events, other events have occurred where uh, we've started talking a lot about censorship. Very very clear, Paul. Very, very broad, (laughs) very broad. Uh, But so talking about moderation and censorship on the web and on the Internet, basically, uh, the the question I wanted to talk about was where in the technology stack do you think moderation should occur? We're talking about, you know, you've got platforms, you've got web hosts, you've got domain registrars, you've got ISPs, you've got a whole bunch of middle people in, in there as well, you know, much more than that. But what parts of that stack should moderate content and then what parts of that stack shouldn't moderate content? Oh, you know, just a very easy question with a so very easy, right? clear answer. Um, ah, here's the thing. I definitely think that platforms should moderate content. Um, I, I think that if, if I go and I make a, a platform where, uh, it's a, it's all about chocolate and people's love of chocolate and somebody comes on and they start talking about white chocolate, uh, hmm. buy because white chocolate's not real <laughs> chocolate. Um, and so that's my, you know, that's, that's the platform I've created in the guidelines and the rules. When you sign up, it says you can't talk about things that aren't chocolate of which white chocolate is one. And so then you know that you can't do that. But I hesitate to be the. Uh, you know, because what we say on clockwise becomes truth and is what happens. And so given that I have that power, um, I don't want to, uh, bring into existence, uh, the, 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 idea that as you kind of keep climbing up the ranks, um, these different uh, bits of technology have control. And the biggest reason for that is because I think the more that that happens, the more likely it is that you have government regulation that comes in. And I don't know about you, but right now, I don't have a whole lot of um, 
of, of good feelings toward my government, and I don't have a lot of good feelings toward the uh, lawmaking body and their ability to understand and really uh, properly make regulation regarding technology. So if if they invite in more regulation, um, I'm concerned in the current state of things how that could be improperly handled. Uh, Christina, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, n- nothing like a, an easy topic to to, uh, to talk about today, uh, Paul. Like, like great, great hey, stuff. I gave you guys this topic like two days ahead of time. You had time. That's fair. That's okay, fair. fair. No, this is actually very true. Okay, so I thought a lot about this, and I'm I think I'm generally in agreement with with uh, Micah. And so far as yeah, I think that platforms are a place where they should be able to moderate and make the decisions about what sort of content um, they, they want to have happen. I'm actually really uncomfortable when we talk about moderation happening on the uh, behalf of uh, ISPs or, or backhaul providers. Um, you know, uh, saying something that is just so blatantly like irrevocably like illegal and, and wrong, I, I don't want those entities involved in that. I think that the reason that the internet has been successful has been because those are things that haven't happened. And when we look at regimes that do take very heavy handed, um, you know, like measures against moderation on that level, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan. I think that with things like domain registrars, eh, yeah, you know, there's, there's a part of me where, I can respect a private business being able to say, yes, we will or won't do business with an entity. But at the same time, I do think that I don't like the idea of, um, of an organization being, you know, um, pressured, uh, one way or another of saying, you know, this, um, you can't allow this, this, uh, person to host a domain with you. Um, and, but when it comes to actual hosting, I think that, yeah, I mean, if, if a private host wants to make a determination about whether or not they want to host content, I think it should be up to them. Um, from a mo- moderation standpoint, I am also less comfortable, uh, to, to Micah's point, with them having to act actively as moderators because I don't really trust governments in general to be able to be agile enough to make those decisions um, or, you know... And you don't know who's going to be in power to, to make those determinations. And, and as I said, I think the power of the internet has been that we haven't had that. It's, it's uh, by and large with a few exceptions. And, you know, some regimes uh, are, are different than this have been, they've been sans that sort of overview. So, you know, if a private business wants to make a determination to not host someone, I'm okay with that, but I'm not real comfortable with it being a requirement for them to moderate something one way or another. Firstly, I want to, Mike, I would like to subscribe to your social network because we are in complete agreement and I'm here to discuss chocolate, <laughs> yes. but not white chocolate. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is tricky. Um, I think it's one of those situations where it's like the current system is the worst, except for all of the other options, um, which is to say, yes, as a private company, you should be able to make determinations about who you want to offer service to in the same way that a store can say, if you're not wearing shoes or a shirt, uh, then you can't come in. Um, it gets a little trickier when you start dealing with issues, particularly of speech. That said, again, it's within a private company's right, certainly, to refuse it if they just don't want to serve somebody. Um, where the government regulation comes in, I think there's a strong argument that here, at least, there are clear types of 
no, clear is probably overstating it, but there are types of speech that are, uh, you know, uh, um, there are restrictions on free, on free speech, right? Like uh, free speech is not an unlimited right. It has limits to it. Things like hate speech, et cetera. And as a result, I think that helps aid private companies that want to make a determination like this because they can point to examples of like, look, this is we are we are following a, a law here that is established that is, has precedent and can say that that is something that we don't support. Um, I definitely think the platform should be required to moderate things. Um, that strikes me as something that's like that's kind of your core business there is having content. So you are in charge of what people post on that site. Um, and you can make those determinations, that's fine. Where it comes to things like infrastructure companies like ISPs uh, and domain name, yeah, it's a little dicier, but again, I kind of fall back on, you know, what's keeping them in line is the idea that, like, they're bottom line corporations. And at the end of the day, if it's unpopular enough and people aren't going to support them because they're supporting somebody that, you know, they don't like, that, that can cut both ways for sure. But what we've seen at least is that they tend to want to stay in business as much as possible and keep as many customers as possible. And it really takes a lot of negative pressure in order to exert the the force to actually kick somebody off that platform. So again, I'm going to go back to saying like, it's not a particularly great system, but I think a lot of the alternatives are way worse. Paul, you want to wrap us up here? Yeah, absolutely. So so like I said, I, I've been thinking about this for, for the past week intensely and, and at the same time for the past 20 years. Uh, of using the internet. And I don't have a firm answer. I don't think it's, it's clearly there's not an easy answer. Uh, Early on in the internet, you know, literally uh, early on in the web, especially, but early on in my use of the internet 20 years ago, my feeling was that the lightest touch possible by everyone was the best. And that, uh, you know, even if you're running something like a message board, uh, or a platform like Facebook or Twitter, the very minimal touch would, would be ideal. But it's become clear that in the past decade or so, we've seen a tremendous amount of misinformation and then active disinformation. Uh, and it does feel like platforms like Facebook and Twitter, large though they may be, uh, have a responsibility to do something to prevent hate speech, prevent violence, prevent threats of violence, prevent outright disinformation. And I think that's something that we sort of have to get to because as Christina was saying, early on in the internet, it was just a free-for-all, and that worked really well. That worked really well to create a ton of huge businesses. Uh, but I think there's now some very obvious downsides that we need to determine how we're going to address them. Uh, I, I, on the other end of the stack is you know something like internet access itself. And I think that's something where it's very dangerous to do any sort of moderation. Uh, the same way that you know a phone service works, you can make a phone call, and if you make threats over that phone call, uh, you're, the phone company is not going to get in trouble for it. You are. Uh, so I, I feel like everyone should have access to the internet. Then uh, what companies do with that access and, and you know what they allow you to do is, is where we should be looking for, for more moderation. That's two topics down, which means, of course, it's halftime here at Clockwise. And this week's episode is brought to you by Pingdom. Well, you've been listening to this podcast. How would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if customers couldn't click that buy now button or access your content? You might stumble across the problem by luck, but that's no good. You need a system. You need something to tell you everything is running smoothly on your site. And more importantly, when it's not, you need Pingdom. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. That's more than 400,000 outages every day. Pingdom helps keep your sites and the sites you love online. Doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company, you need alerts about any critical website issues. They, they'll let you customize how you're alerted, depending on the severity of an outage. Plus, they'll track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user experience. 
If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom, and Pingdom has a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is the URL you want to monitor, and they'll take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. Then, when you sign up, use the code CLOCKWISE at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, halftime has concluded. Micah, what have you got for us today? Uh, so there was this interesting article in the New York Times about a bunch of people who have Bitcoin wallets that they don't remember the password to. And because they don't remember the password, they've got millions of dollars locked away inside of their wallets. Uh, I happen to work with one. Uh, his name's Leo Laporte, and he has some ridiculous amount of money tied up in a Bitcoin wallet that he doesn't have the password for anymore uh, and can't remember it. And so it just has me wondering, do you have good password hygiene? And I'm leaving it up to you to define that. Um, and if you don't feel like you have good password hygiene, what has kept you from jumping aboard, say, the password manager train? Christina, we'll start with you. Yeah, I have pretty good password hygiene. I think I've used a password manager for 14 years now. Uh, that said, where I do become concerned, and it was interesting because I also read that New York Times article, and before anybody feels too bad for the people they profile, all the people profiled are still very rich. Uh, but, uh, so, 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 so like it, it, it's, it's but not they could one of those. Be so much richer. <laughs> right. No, totally, totally. But I felt better because when I read, when I first read some of the scenarios, it was like, Oh my God, how, how are you still like functioning? Um, when, the, when this sort of potential loss has happened, uh, maybe don't speculate on, on, on fake money. I don't know, but no, I have good password hygiene. I think my only concern is like, if I were to drop dead tomorrow, that is my bigger concern, right? Yes, it's like, how yes. would people get into my accounts? How would they get access to things? That's my bigger concern. Like, I'm very confident that I have good password hygiene. I'm not confident that I have a good system for allowing people to access my stuff should I be hit by a bus. I, I think I'm kind of a mishmash when it comes to good platform hygiene or good password hygiene. I I do have a password manager. In fact, I have two because I use the keychain on uh, Apple's products. And I also use one password for a lot of ancillary stuff. Uh, and sometimes those things are in sync and sometimes they're not. Um, I used to use like very like specific patterns for creating passwords. But I, I, I do try to maintain stuff, especially since these password managers and things like iCloud Keychain have gotten much better at uh, like generating strong passwords. I've tended to rely on those much more. And it really irritates me when there's uh, an app or a site that doesn't support it for some reason. Um, so uh, I think that I try to be really good about it. I'm not always the best. And there's definitely some passwords for older sites where it's like, I know it's a super weak password, but because it's something that doesn't, isn't sensitive, I don't bother changing it. Um, but for the most part, I, I do try to use the strong passwords where possible and, and use a password manager. Cause I think it's, it's an easy thing you can do that makes your life way better. <laughs> Paul, what about you? So I've, I've like Christine, I've been using a, a one password for not 14 years. That's impressive to me. I think uh, at least eight or 10 years, though. And like you, Dan, I'm also using iCloud Keychain. I think at this point, anyone who's using a Mac, using an iPhone, iCloud Keychain makes it really easy to do this. I love one password, but I'm not sure. Uh, I, it, it definitely is worth getting. But if you're if you're looking to just get started with improving your passwords, just start using iCloud Keychain and it'll suggest unique passwords per site and uh 
Apple has made it fairly easy to do a good job with passwords as opposed to the old method that we used to have of either just having one, literally one password for everything and using it on multiple sites or like you, Dan, where you had a pattern and, and had similar passwords. But at this point, yeah, it's, it's Mike, I, I hope I, I was worried someone would tell us they had bad password hygiene. I'm assuming you won't tell us that either. But uh, at this point, just about anybody listening should be able to at least set up uh, iCloud Keychain. Yes, I I have used one password for ages. Um, not quite as long as either of you, but uh, it, it's certainly my password manager of choice, and um, I have it, you know, set up with uh, the the password management system in iOS. Um, and agree with you, Dan. It's so annoying whenever there's a site that doesn't support it. But I also. Uh, there's a large swath of the population who their password is just that I forgot my password page um, on any <laughs> site. That is their password. And my partner used to be one of those. And uh, I finally got him using the built-in iCloud keychain feature. And that's great for most people. So if you're on iOS, use that for sure. Uh, I think Google has its own version on Android that you can use. Um, and then upgrade to a password manager uh, as soon as you feel comfortable doing so. So that you know, whenever you make a trillion D dollars off LaCroix coin, you know, you're going to be okay. Uh, let us move I think to... it's just LaCroix. LaCroix, you're right. What LaCroix was I thinking? <laughs> uh, let <laughs> so us move good. to our final topic, which comes from Christina. Yeah, so there's an interesting feature in Bloomberg this week on Spotify and, and looking at kind of uh, all of their, um, I guess, endeavors and investments into podcasting and how they hope that that's going to lead them into profitability, which... Okay. Um, but the interesting thing to me about that was that they noted that 20% of their users or, or 70 million people globally are now listening to podcasts. And I was curious, is that number, do we think that's high or, or low, um, compared to maybe what we would expect? I guess that seems cool around what I would expect. It's not tremendously high. Um, but I still think a lot of people don't go to Spotify expecting to listen to podcasts. I think they go to it as a music destination. Uh, and obviously, that's something that Spotify is trying to change with this. Um, I, I think that there's still a lot of inertia around sort of, for lack of a better term, open podcasts or what I traditionally call podcasts. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, it's probably in some cases hard to shake people off their habits if they're used to using a, a, like a podcast app on their phone or what have you to switching to Spotify. And I imagine a lot of people probably do both, right? Like if they are Spotify listeners listening to whatever shows are popular on that network, they're probably still listening to some shows that aren't on Spotify or they're listening to shows through their um, you know, uh, their classic sort of app experience. And in that case, I worry a little bit because I think you've sort of bifurcated the podcast market at that point because now there's stuff that's only available in certain places and that people have to maintain two apps and they get frustrated. I'm not sure if that's doing you any favors in the long term. So yeah, I, I don't know. I guess that number's about where I expected, but I'm, I'm curious to see which direction it goes in, whether it's up or down. Paul, what do you think? Well, you you noted that something that I've been thinking about where where you're bifurcating the the market where open podcasts, podcasts that are just accessible in every player are out there. And that's how things have always been. And now Spotify is trying to make almost like a like an HBO of podcasts, sort of, uh, where it's they've got uh, they've got like the Michelle Obama podcast featuring Michelle Obama. Uh, and the only way you can get that is through Spotify. But like you said, Spotify is a music service that happens to have podcasting currently. 
Uh, if they're trying to be a content service that includes all sorts of audio, then obviously that's they're taking steps that way. But I, I think it's interesting to see these numbers, but I don't know. I, I don't have a good sense of, you know, where they should be or, or what I would expect them to be. So I don't I don't know that I have a, a solid answer for, you know, do we ex- does this number seem right? But I'm also curious what these numbers look like, uh, let's say, in 2022, when people are potentially commuting back to work and, you know, riding on the subway and driving in their cars a lot more, uh, because I think I'd be interested to know something to know more about podcasting numbers in the past nine months uh, and if they've dipped or if they've, you know, sort of if the growth on them has changed because people have less time where they can do something like listening to a podcast. Well, let me tell you, Paul, um, those numbers have dipped, uh, and we have certainly seen that, um, because yes, uh, it does turn out, or it seems to be, uh, that you can tie commutes to podcast listening. So when I did hear that number, it did sound a little surprising to me as being kind of um, higher than I expected, um, at least when we look at this, you know, one specific place that Spotify has this many podcast listeners. But yeah, again, we kind of have to wonder, does that mean that anybody on Spotify who clicked on a podcast link at one point? Or is it people who actively listen uh, regularly? So there's, you know, some questions there. Um, but yeah, I am looking forward to seeing how things change over the coming uh, couple of years as we sort of in theory, and please, please, please uh, uh, grow and and recover from all of this. Uh, Christina, why don't you round us out? Yeah, I mean, I, I do uh, agree with, um, with, with Paul and Dan and the fact that, uh, you know, when I think of podcasts, I think of like open podcasts and not maybe platform specific thing. Uh, but we're certainly trending into this HBO of podcast mentality, which is... Okay. Uh, but yeah, like, like you, Micah, I was a little surprised, I think, by how high, I, again, we don't know how they're calculating, uh, whether, how people listen to podcasts, but 20% did seem high to me, to be totally honest, just because that's not how I still think of, of Spotify as my primary listening experience. Um, I guess maybe though, having said that, they have invested like $900 million in podcasts over the last two years. So, uh, it's probably where it should be. Uh, I don't know. It's just this, this is just interesting to me. Like like the rest of you, I'm interested to see where this goes. But I I will make this prediction that if these trends continue, Spotify will more than likely become the primary podcasting platform that most people listen to podcasts on. Like in terms of market share, which I I don't think I would have said five years ago. All right, that is four topics down, which means we've almost hit the end of the show, but we've got just enough time for a bonus topic, which I understand is going to be contentious. So I'll just put it out there. When is it time to get rid of the holiday decorations, Paul? Dan, I live in Boston. You live right near Boston. The answer this year was 2 p.m. on Christmas Day. Uh, We need to put a link in the show notes to a video of someone shoving a Christmas tree out the window at 2.08 p.m. on Christmas Day. Final answer. Mm-hmm. All right, Micah. Yeah. So the reason this is going to kill me is because it wasn't that it's contentious. It's that uh, I feel guilty um, because I have not had the desire to put away my decorations. So you're just reminding me that there's a tree still in my uh, main living space, and I think that you know, for for me, typically 
uh, right as the new year starts. So January 1st or 2nd is when uh, the holiday decorations come down. But, um, you know, I've had other things on my mind and other things have been going on. So there's still a tree in my space and I need to put it away and you're reminding me about it. And I just wanted to pretend like it wasn't there and walk past it every day and not look at it and think that it wasn't there. So yeah, that's how I feel about it. Christina, what about you? All right. So um, like, I guess Etika dictates that the 12 days of Christmas, I believe Epiphany is supposed to be the 6th of January. So technically everyone should have already put their tree away. Sorry, Micah. That said, I feel like at this point, I feel like the closer you inch to February, if you haven't put your stuff away, you should just leave it up year round. You should just try to make it into a, a year round thing and then maybe change your decorations seasonally, like make it a seasonal tree. Uh, but, uh, but otherwise, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of, uh, I'm, I'm into the, into the guy in, in South Boston who just shoved that tree out the window Christmas day and was just like, nope, we're done. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that the the longer you go, just just embrace it. Just keep it up all year round because if it's anything, hopefully this year won't be anything like last year, but you know, it'll be March forever. And so just just keep it up year round. Just change mm-hmm. out the, the decorations. I, I support all of your answers. Uh here the answer is whenever the last time the trash trucks will pick up a Christmas tree is. Uh, <laughs> probably quickly advancing. Our tree is still in the living room. Haven't shoved it out the window yet, but I respect to South Boston for that one. All right, that's all we have time for. All that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week. Paul Cavassas, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Dan. And Christina Warren, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And Micah will be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>